Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. I want us to read a book of Joshua chapter 1. We'll read verse 7 and 8. It says, Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law. If you, the Bible is just underlined the word law. That's why it's good to have a Bible. But if you're reading from a phone, you are stranded. The law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. If the Bible is yours, underline the word prosper in verse 7. Underline the word prosper in verse 7. Because there's a connection between law and prosperity. Verse 8. It said, this book of the law, the Bible is yours again, underline the word law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, underline the word prosperous, if the Bible is yours, and then you will have good success, underline the word success, if the Bible is yours. The topic for today is understanding success. I'll be teaching on a subject that I titled, Success is Your Birthright. It's your birthright. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Success is your birthright. Now, the scripture we just read raises some very important issues. I have told people several times, my favorite scripture in the Bible is Joshua 1 verse 8, because this scripture talks very much about the significance of the scriptures and the benefits everyone stands to gain by committing his life to the principles of scripture. The scriptures we read in Joshua 1 verse 7 and 8 connects the law, the word law, to prosperity and success. And as I study the whole Bible, I have come to believe that God's greatest concern or desire for you and I, for all children of God, after we become born again, God's greatest concern for us is that he wants us to be successful and prosperous. God wants you to be prosperous and successful. Everybody say prosperous and successful. God wants every of his children to be successful. And when you look at the book of Joshua 1 verse 8, he even told Joshua, the purpose of scripture is to make you prosperous and successful. He said, when you meditate on it, do all that is written on it. Verse 7 said, don't turn away to the left or to your right. He said, when you do that, you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. So the very purpose of scripture is so that you can be successful. And the question is why? Because God created every human being to succeed. God created you to succeed in life. You may not be able to do everything right, but at least to succeed in life, you were created for it. Success is natural to every human being like swimming is to a fish. God created every human being to become successful. 
Just like no manufacturer manufactures a product with the intention that it should be faulty. When you meet any good and intelligent manufacturer, any product, any equipment that they manufacture, their main intention is that that equipment should work very well to the standard to which they manufactured it for. So when God created you, he didn't create you to fail because he is your creator. He is your manufacturer. He put into you dynamics of abilities that make success a necessity in your life. That is why human nature, we all admire success. Have you realized that? No human being hates success when he sees it. We admire success. We applaud success. Every time people do extremely well in something, the public, majority of people in society, they are excited about not even the person, but what he did. Human nature, we naturally gravitate towards successful people. We want to identify with successful people. Nobody takes a failure as a role model. Why? Because deep within you, there is this instinct for success. There is this natural ability that is driven towards success. Right from infancy, we, we get attracted to successful people. We make successful people our role model because that is the nature that is in us. We frown on failure when we see it. We frown on failure. We punish failure directly or indirectly. We hate failure unconsciously. No normal human being likes Failure, because that is not your nature. Your nature is gravitates towards success more than any other thing, because that is how God created you. He created you in his image, and the image of God is the propensity to succeed. And so sometimes you can even realize that there are people you don't agree with, but you admire them <laughs> because they are successful. You can even learn from them because they are successful. Yes, I have read about people I don't agree with. I don't like them 100%. But, hey, their success is so evident, it's undisputable. You need to find out something they did right. Many, many, many people. Because one important thing about knowledge is that knowledge has no respect for source, for the source. It has respect for facts. One, the thing is true. It doesn't matter who said it. Evidence in court is evidence. Whether you stole it, the court doesn't care where you, how you got it. They care whether it's true or it's not true. That is the important thing about knowledge. So there are people all my life that I like to read about some of these people. I like to listen to some of these people. Um, if you take somebody like Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey is the most successful talk show host in the world now. His talk show programs I watch in 145 countries around the world. She makes about $350 million in a year just talking. But she doesn't believe in being born again. So me and her, we have a real problem there. Michael Jackson is the most successful musician of all time. Gospel and worldly. <laughs> he has sold more albums of his song than any singer in the world. I don't like everything about him, <laughs> but he's a successful person. His album, Thriller, sold over 100 million copies. Nobody has reached that. Few people have even made a million copies. 
100 million. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But I realized that I get attracted to people not because, of, because I necessarily agree with the person, but because the person's either philosophy or achievements. And so I want to make us understand that it is not by accident that we all get attracted to success. It is because that is our nature. So every time you see your Bible, you should know this is God's formula for me to become successful. This is the only thing God gave you that you will ever need to become successful is the Bible. You don't need anything else. So that is why it's better to have a Bible than have a phone. It's better to have a Bible than have a shoe. It's better to have a Bible than have a car. You can't be serious when you have a phone and you don't have a Bible. In fact, you are not very serious when you use your phone every day, but you don't read your Bible every day. Because one thing God gave you, God said to Joshua, this book of the law. What was God talking about when he said law? He was referring to principle. Everybody say principle. This book of the law. Everybody say the law. So the Bible is a book that contains law. One word. Verse 7 said, Be strong and courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law. So the Bible is a book full of life's laws. And even though God has put in us the ability and the instinct for success, he didn't put in us the knowledge of how to succeed. The knowledge of how to succeed, he didn't put it within us. He put it in the word. Human being is different from a computer because a computer already has its own inbuilt system for operation. For a human being, God has built you for success, but the principle that can make you successful, he didn't put it within you. So there is no button to press and then you become successful by magic. That is why you have to learn how to run away from people who promise you magic, especially success by magic, because it's not possible. Even if it's possible, it will never last. Success that outlive you, it comes by the application of principles. So that takes us to the very important word for today, principle. What is a principle? Principle in the literal English language simply means the law of life. Principle, if you, in a layman's language, it means the law of life. Principle means a law of life. But it can be more properly defined as a fundamental law that governs specific functions of human life. So human life has specific functions. And there are laws that govern each function of human life. If you take health, for example, there are laws that govern health. If you don't know it or you don't apply it, you will not be healthy. You can die early, no matter how much God loves you. Marriage has its own laws. Finances has its laws. Everything about life is governed by laws. There are laws that govern finances. There are laws that govern success in business. There are laws that govern your success in your career, in what you do. There are laws of life. And the laws of life are not only spiritual. Some are physical, like we, we have scientific laws. You may disagree with them, but they are there. For instance, you can say, I don't believe the earth rotates. 
But that doesn't change the fact that the earth rotates. I don't believe that. I, I believe that the sun moves around the earth and that it is not the earth that moves around the sun. That can be your personal belief, but that doesn't mean that it's going to change anything. Laws. Laws. You can say, I don't believe in gravity. It won't change the existence of it. If you act contrary to it, it will deal with you. <laughs> so principles are laws of life. Laws that govern human life. They are eternal laws. They never change. They are never outdated. They are never outmoded. Gravity has been gravity since it was discovered by Isaac Newton in the 18th century. It is still current. So when we come to principle, principles never get obsolete, outdated. They are always current. It never changes. The laws of life never change. Number two, principles don't have respect for persons. Like I just said, you may be a very noble person, respectable person. You may be somebody very, very revered. But if you say, I don't believe in gravity, and so I'm going to climb to the top of the roof, and I'm going to jump, and I'm going to float, you will not float, but you will fall. Because principles have no respect for persons. It doesn't matter who broke it, whether it's pastor or prophet or manager or laborer. Principle is principle. There is only one place where all human beings are equal, and that is at the place of principle. When it comes to principle, the boss and the servant are the same. Each need to observe the principle. So they have no respect for persons, and they have no respect for, for places. Principles work everywhere. That means you can never give an excuse for where you are. Location doesn't change the principles of God. The principles of God, they work everywhere. All right. So when we are talking about success, we are talking about children of God discovering the principles of God, applying it to their lives. Discovering the principles of God, and applying it to their lives. Now, you can, you can decide that you will not apply it. You will teach it. That is why sometimes people learn from somebody. I read a story of Richard Branson. How many have heard about Richard Branson? All right, a few people. That's not very good, but let's go on. Richard Branson is the CEO and the owner of Virgin Group of Companies. He has over 500 companies, including Virgin Airlines. Richard Branson said the secret to his success in business is from a book he read. The title of the book is Small is Beautiful. And the commentary I read in a magazine, I think it was Newsweek magazine, the journalist said, this man who wrote the book is not that rich. He's an economist, a professor who wrote the book. He's not rich beyond being a professor. But look at Richard Branson. He's a multi-billionaire. So it's not enough to know something. It's important to do it, what you claim to know. So let me say a few things about success. Having read Joshua 1.8, we can say that success doesn't happen by accident. If you see anybody successful, hey, it didn't just happen. Things were done that made it happen. If you see anybody successful in any area of your life, whether it's marriage, if you see somebody's marriage happening, going well, it's not accidental. If you see somebody's business 
Doing well is not an accident. Success is not an accident. Don't sit down waiting for a day an accident of success will happen to you because it has never happened to anybody. Everybody who is successful became successful deliberately. It was a deliberate thing that happened. Number two, success is not by chance. It's not chance. It's not, oh, he is lucky. No, you can be lucky in certain things, but you can never be lucky in success. The world of success doesn't know chance. It knows principle. If you see success happening anywhere, you need to understand that it is because something is being done in a particular way consistently for a long time. The next thing I want to say about success is that success is not attained by wishes. So let's get that straight. Otherwise, I'm sure all of us would be successful by now. They say popularly that wishes are not horses. That is why nobody has a horse in this church. If wishes were horses, everybody would be having at least a horse. <laughs> you can't just wish, oh, I wish I was successful like so-so and so. We've got everybody and somebody that really impresses you. I wish I was successful like this man. No, that wish will never be granted unless you do something more than that. Even desire cannot make you successful. It's good to desire the right things, including success. It's good to desire success, but the desire cannot make you successful. Success is not attainable by being just a good Christian. I've seen many, many very good Christians who are very God-fearing, holy people who never became successful. It is not wrong to be a good Christian. I'm not saying that. It's not wrong to be a good Christian. It's important to be a good Christian, but that alone cannot make you successful because there are many successful people around the world, like I just mentioned. I can keep giving you list upon list of very successful people who are not Christians. But you know why they became successful? Even though they are, they are not Christians, they apply the principles of success, which will be traced to the, the scriptures. Because principles have no respect of persons. It doesn't matter, hey, do you go to church or you don't go to church? No. Once you apply it properly, it works for you. So an unbeliever can become more successful than a believer because principles have no respect for persons and success is a result Success is a result. It's an outcome of something. It is the fruit of something that happened. Success is not an accident. It is an outcome. It's a result. It is a product of something that somebody did. And that something is principle. Success is an outcome of deliberate principles. Deliberate means that you intentionally decide that this is what I have found out and this is how I'm going to do it. Deliberate intention of practicing the principles of God consistently, not once in a while. Consistently. Consistently. That means it becomes your way of life. Now, when something is consistent... In your life, it becomes your habits. And your habits, when your habits are practiced, it becomes your character. So you don't decide your character, you decide your, the actions, your consistent way of actions, and then it becomes your habit. Habit means you are so used to doing it now, you do it unconsciously. You don't need to plan to do it. Habit is something you don't plan to do. It becomes part of your life. Because you have done it consistently. And so it has become part of your life. So successful people have habits. They have habits 
that is a result of the knowledge they acquired from scripture, which they know and believe will make them do well in life. And they decided that whether somebody is happy about it or not, whether somebody is going to applaud them or not, they are just going to do it. So it's a decision to consistently practice a particular line, a particular direction of behavior, a particular direction of actions. And then when that is done consistently over a period, the outcome is success. So success is an outcome. Success is a result. When you see somebody successful in any area of life, it is because they have done something over and over for a long time. Let me give you an example. Somebody wrote an exams and the exams results have come out. So he went and got his results. All we see is the result. But the result didn't just happen. <laughs> the result cannot tell you everything about that person's efforts. The result only tell you he passed, he did excellent, he had three A's in every place or F's in every place for that matter. Now, all the results say A's and you're like, wow, this is wonderful. Oh, I wish I, wish I had the same. I wish I had the same. Oh, one day I will have the same. Those, that is wishes. But if you talk with that man or woman holding that certificate, he will tell you how long he had to read, how many times he had to stay awake all night reading and reading and reading. And when he forgets, he reads and reads and reads and reads and reads. And so the result is the result slip. That's no wonder they call it result slip. The result slip is a result of the work the person did over the period before he wrote the exams. So when the exam results come, it tells you whether you were doing the right things or you were doing the wrong things. And that is life. In life, you can keep talking all the big talk, but over a time, we will see whether this big talk is going to translate into realities. And it's not wrong to talk big, but after you finish talking big, know that there is responsibility for what you've been saying and that you need to go and do your homework and do a lot of work on your life, every area of your life. In fact, every area of your life. So success is a result of God's principles deliberately put into practice consistently over a long period of time. That means that failure also, from all that we have studied, we can say that failure was not, is not caused by the devil. How many are beginning to agree with me? That when you fail, you can't blame the devil. <laughs> because unbelievers who don't even know the devil, who are the devil's um, puppets, he can do with them what he likes. They are becoming successful. Probably some of them more than Christians. I know you don't enjoy this, but I don't have a choice. I want you to really think big and become big. Think about this. Bill Gates is not a born-again Christian. The richest man in the world is not born again. He says he believes that there is God, but he doesn't think, he has, he doesn't think that the Christian's way of, the Christian's approach to God's worship is the right thing. That's Bill Gates for you. I pray he will change his mind soon. But do you know what? No Christian is more generous than Bill Gates. Even though we hear give, receive, give, receive. He has never heard that. Probably, I don't know. He's the most generous man in the world. And so for the first time, we have the richest man in the world. Unbeatable for probably a decade. It's never happened in world history. Most of the time, in two years, somebody beats the person. But this guy, when he got there, he's been there. <laughs> 
He's been there. He's not a believer. So why do you blame the devil when you fail? If your business fails, it's not the devil, please. I know some of you don't agree with me, but failure is not caused by your enemies because every successful person has enemies, but they still succeeded. Failure is not caused by environment. Oh, where I am is a difficult place. No. Oh, it's because I'm an African. Africa, things are difficult. There are failures in America, failures in Europe. There are successful people in Ghana, successful people in America and Europe. Everywhere you go, every part of the world, you will see successful people, you see failures. You will see rich people and poor people. There are extremely poor people you can meet every, everywhere in the world. So environment is not the cause of your failure. And failure, of course cannot be blamed on your unfortunate circumstances. Oh, I didn't go to school. Well, I can give you people who never went there, but they are successful. Oh, my parents died very young. Well, I can give you orphans who are successful. What else do you want to say? Any excuse you have, there is somebody who has the same excuse but has become successful. God made sure. <laughs> God made sure there is no complaint you have. There's no excuse you have for failure that there is no... If, unless you don't look well, look around. You will find somebody who is successful as a farmer. So you can't say, oh, you know, farming is not a respectable profession. And, you know, no, there are very successful farmers. There are farmers that are millionaires. There are pastors that are successful. There are pastors that are failure. There are pastors that if your son is want to be a pastor, you never want him to be close to that person. <laughs> Praise the Lord. There are successful people, whether it's engineering, law, teaching, every profession, business, every profession you can talk about, there are successful people and there are failures. So I want to say today, you don't have an excuse because failure is a choice. If you fail, it's a choice you made because you decided to read Joshua 1.8 in the reverse direction. Let's read it, Joshua 1.8. <laughs> failures, this is what they do. And so you examine yourself whether you, that's what you've been doing. Failures fail because they tell themselves, this book of the law shall depart from my mouth, but I shall not meditate on it day and night, neither will I ever <laughs> observe to do according to all that is written in it. Amen. So that is the actions. What is the result? You make your way poor and you have bad failure. So in this scripture, you can see cause and effect. You can see the seed and the harvest. You can see the input and the output. You can see it all there. What you say, what you think, what you do. That is success. Success starts with what you say. What you think? He said, meditate on it day and night. That, in other words, let the scriptures control your way of thinking. Whatever thoughts are contrary to scriptural principles, don't entertain it. Otherwise, it will destroy you. Because thoughts control actions. Your thoughts determine your actions. Your actions determine your habits. Your habits determine your character. And your character determine your destiny. So you cannot jump the process. Most of times, we believers, we believe in jumping the process by praying prayer that is not scriptural. Lord, make me great. Lord, make me wait. It starts with what you say. Because after you've prayed that God should make you the greatest musician in the world, it comes back to what you are saying and how you are thinking and what you are doing. He said, you shall observe to do all, all, not some. 
and do it consistently, then the result is that you will make your way. So when you see somebody becoming prosperous, he made it happen. He made it. There are things he did right, which we need to study. Amen. You will make your way prosperous. Not God will come and make it for you. God never makes your way prosperous. Neither does Satan make your way failure. You. And then you will have good success. Even God, the first person to use the word success was God. God wants you to be successful. Because you cannot be a failure and influence anything. Influence is not achieved by failing. You may not have any position, no title, but when you are successful, you are influential. People will listen to you. People will follow you. People will learn from you. People admire you. People want to be your example when you become successful. It's so important if God is calling us to become influential people. We cannot do it with nothing. We cannot do it with big talk or big titles. God is dealing with me on titles a lot. But who Jesus is the most outstanding personality in the world today is not has nothing to do with his title. It has to do with the influence he had on human life. Because principles don't have respect for your title. Principles have respect for your obedience. If you obey it, it will reward you. If you disobey it, it will punish you. If you obey principle, it will reward you with success. If you disobey principle, it will punish you with failure. And it doesn't matter who you are. And God so much does not want you and I to fail. Listen to me. By the time you are leaving this earth, you must not be a disappointment to your generation. By the time you are ready to go, because you will go when you are ready. Like, we don't believe in untimely death here. By the time you are ready to say, you know what? I want to go and be with my Lord. You must not leave this earth as a negative reference. As somebody that, when they mention it, people said, will you shut up before I get annoyed? Because you were, you were such a, I don't want to say anything. You were born to be successful. He created you to be successful. So question is, what is success? So long with plenty talk, what really is success? Pastor, you said we should be successful. What do you mean by success? Because you, you can never evaluate yourself whether you are successful or not unless you know what success is. And the challenge we have today is that society defines success different from the way God, through his word, defines it. Society defines success differently. And so it has directed people in the wrong way. Society defines success as acquiring a lot of material things, having a lot of possessions, having a lot of money. It's not wrong to have money. You need to have money. But when you make that your definition of success, you fail before you started. Because we are Christians, I want us to look at scriptural definition of success. Because in this church, that is the basis on which we're going to be evaluating our lives. That five years to come, when you want to evaluate your life, we should evaluate it based on this definition. Because five years from now, your life should not be like this now, the way it is now. Only three people said amen. Amen. Yeah. If you are planning to be the way you are as it was in the beginning, so shall it ever be now and forevermore. Please find that church where they pray that prayer. We don't pray that prayer here. Amen. Find that church, Oxford's Dictionary, defines success as the accomplishment of a goal or a purpose. Webster's Dictionary defines success as the achievement of one's life goals and becoming wealthy and respectful. The Cambridge English Dictionary defines success as the achievement of positive results 
wanted or hoped for. And that's, that's a good definition because dictionaries don't make mistakes. Dictionaries are never wrong. But when we look into scripture, we see that God defines success a little bit deeper than this. This is not wrong. This is good. But if you want to understand it from God's perspective, success means discovering God's purpose for your life and fulfilling it. The emphasis is on God's purpose for your life. Dictionary really does not emphasize God's purpose. He talks about goals or aid or purpose. But the Bible makes emphasis on the place of God's purpose as it relates with success. That for you to be successful, we must be able to say that you have fulfilled God's purpose for your life. Because you are going to be judged when we stand before Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.10 When we stand before Christ, you are going to be judged based on his purpose for your life. Read it. Everybody, ready, go. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This scripture refers to born-again Christians. If you are born again, after the rapture, this is the first thing that will happen in heaven. We will line up and we will give account before Christ. So Jesus will say, I called you Henry Hubert because there's no pastor there. All titles will not feature in heaven. I called you to be a pastor, to teach, to preach. How well did you do it? Mm. How well did you do it? And so if I have all the money in the world, I wear the most expensive clothes. I sleep in the most expensive hotels. I've traveled around the world. I am the most popular preacher in Ghana. I do all that. But I did not do what he called me to do. I failed. And it's not only about me. It's about you. So success is discovering God's purpose for your life. I want you to know today, if you forget anything today, this you must not forget, that God has a purpose for your life. Let me say it again, because some of you didn't hear. You were talking and chatting and laughing. God has a purpose for your life. Some people still are not hearing. Some people are sleeping, I can see. Because I'm not saying, hey, you prosper. Hey, you will do this. I'm saying something very important. It's probably the most important statement I ever made in my lifetime. God has a purpose for your life. That you are not on earth by accident. Even if your parents did not plan for you, God planned that you should be here. And God planned that you should be here because there is a need on the earth that required that God should create somebody like you to meet that need. The reason why you are still alive is because God needs you here to do something specific for him. That's why you are alive. That's why he protected you. Because when you are born again, you lose nothing when you die. Do you know that? You lose nothing when you die. When you become born again, you gain when you die. Because you go to be in a better place. Better place where fuel price will never go up, inflation will never go up, dollar rate will never go up, arm robbers will never attack you. Nobody will criticize and insult you. Nobody will backbite you. Nobody will. No. There's only joy. The streets are made of gold. There is no place on earth that can compare to heaven. So when a believer dies, it's gain. In fact, that's what the Bible said. Paul said, for me to die is gain. But why does God keep you here still? Because there is still something he wants you to do. There is a work he has for you. There is a purpose he has for you. People may dispute it, you may disagree with it, but it doesn't change the fact that God has a purpose for your life. 
Purpose. Purpose means original intent. The reason for the existence of something. The reason why something exists. This microphone exists because the manufacturer had an intention that let me do something that will help people to speak that they don't need to shout before a lot of people can hear them. That is why Jeremiah 1.5, God said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So God had a picture of me before I was conceived. God had a picture of a pastor that will exist within this time that will teach the word, teach people to be successful and to prosper and to be effective and to excel and do it around the world. You had a picture of that before my parents even thought of whatever. Before I formed you and before you, you were born, I ordained you a prophet. Please get this. God is not now thinking what to do with your life. He's not now thinking, hey, this guy now coming to church, making noise. Oh, God, oh, God, what can I do with him? Mm, okay, 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 okay. No, 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 no. God is not now thinking it. Before you screamed the first noise in the labor world, planned your life, you had already concluded your purpose. That is why someone like me, I could become a preacher. There is no other philosophy or reasoning that can explain why me, I could be a preacher. Because my life was everything contrary to pastoring. I was a typical unbeliever. I have been very, very deep in the world. And I don't like crowd. I like living very isolated life. And I was so quick-tempered. When I told my dad I wanted to go to the medical school, he said, no, your anger is not good. Because doctors need to be calm people, see human beings. Pastoring is more difficult than medicine, believe me. Doctors have more respect than pastors. And doctors buy car, nobody talks. When pastors buy car, it's new. Everything about my life was opposite to pastoring. When I told my pastor, the pastor of the church that I was a member, I told him that I think God is calling me. He told me, yes, I believe God can call you, but I don't think your ministry will be around the pulpit. Because I used to write the church bulletin. So he said, I think you'll be a good with books and magazines. So an administration, I was helping the pastor organize the church and all that. So he said, I think you are very good in administration and this, but the pulpit, I don't think you are you're around there. Because I, I was so shy. I remember one of my aunties, when I became a pastor for many years, I met one of my aunties. I want to ask you a question. Don't be annoyed. I said, fine. She said, I heard you are now a pastor. I said, yes. He said, how are you able to preach? <laughs> so I asked her, why? Why, why is that? that I said, you, you, you can't even talk to one person. Hallelujah. But you know, what excites me most now is not a million dollars, even though I want it. Praise the Lord. What excites me most to teach like I'm doing now, it's more than food. And if you are not tired, I can teach you till tomorrow morning. And I will not repeat any, anything I said. We will just keep going. But do you know there are many things I cannot do? God did not create me for every purpose. So you have a purpose. He has a purpose for your life. He has a purpose for my life. So find yours. Let me find mine. Everyone develop on his own. And we be, all become successful. 
try to leave yours and try to come and do mine. And don't push me to leave mine to come and do yours. Psalm 139, let's read verse 14. Psalm 139. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David said, you want to know why I praise God the way I do? You want to know why I praise God seven times in a day in a temple? Seven times. David prays three times a day. He praises God seven times. He said, there is an understanding or there is a reason behind what I do. If you don't know how the same reason, you cannot do it the way I do it. Or you cannot do it well the way I do it. The reason why I praise God so much is because I have an understanding that God made me. And he didn't just make made me. Made me in an awesome way. I am an awesome creation of God. I am, an awesome, I am not just some accident that happened on planet Earth, going about looking for a survivor. No, 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 no. And we are talking about a man who was born to a father who didn't want it and by a mother who didn't plan it. David's father had an affair out of the house mistakenly. I know some mistakes, you can, you can run away from it, but some, ah, he just, David said, this is a mistake, but I'm here already, too late. All to the Bible, we never heard of the mother. Probably the mother just gave birth to him and dumped him on the man. We never heard of David's mother. Hello? Yeah. That's where he began from. His father didn't like him. Father hated him. Never in the house. So much that the day the prophet Samuel said, I want to pray for all your sons. Bring all your sons. This Mr. Jesse, he didn't bring David. That should tell the level of hatred. But that can't stop you if you know who you are. He can't stop you. I said he cannot stop you. The fact that you are your father's favorite child is nothing. Nothing. The fact that you are Muhammad's friend is nothing. Even if you eat in White House every day, it's still nothing. If you don't follow principle, you will still end up nowhere. Hallelujah. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He got an understanding. And I think this is what I am praying that this man, God, will do for everyone. Because something happened in my life many years ago. I know God wants me to teach this the rest of my life. Because he did it in my life. That you come to a place where you can just know and have that conviction that my life is not for nothing. That there is something important, valuable, purposeful about my life. I may have no money, no food, nothing. I may be nobody. My family is nothing. I come from nowhere. My hometown is nowhere. But I, I am still somebody. That conviction is so powerful. That is what happened to David. Look at it. He said, marvelous are your works. And this my soul knows very well. David is saying, hey, this thing that people quote from here and there, that even me and you, we quote. Hey, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. David said, for me, it's not quotation. My soul. He didn't say my mind. My soul. In other words, it is not mental. It is not a mental information. It is not just information. It is conviction. David said, you can't take it away from me. You can take everything away from me. You can't take this conviction from me that, hey, God created me special. Verse 15. He said, my frame or my body or my life was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Which secret place are you talking about? In the womb. 
after daddy and mommy finished what they had to do, and you were conceived in the womb in secret place, God kept you there for nine months. Nobody saw you, but he saw you. Bible said, when I was made in secret and skillfully crafted. Hey, God took time. I am, you know, God's workmanship. I am God's best creation. He skillfully made you. That is why your eyes are where it is. Because your eyes could have appeared on your buttocks. <laughs> then when you are born, everybody's running. What is this? <laughs> or your fingers are ten. Ten here, ten here. And your mouth is three. One, two, three. No, think about it. Think about it. How did it happen that you have two eyes exactly where God wants it? Two ears exactly where God wants it. It's not just, you don't just have to, you know, brush such deep thoughts off. It's an important thing to sit down and reflect on for a long time. And when you finish doing that, you will tell yourself that, ha, I think I've been making mistakes all my life to think that God has no purpose for my life. If God can waste time, nine months, look, it didn't take one day to make you. It took nine months. Every now and then he comes, hey, bones, throw this way, this way. He determined your height. He decided your complexion. He decided your gender. He decided everything. He decided that you should be born in Ghana. Hello? Yeah, he decided it. Because Ghana needs you. You're born in Ghana. And he decided that he decided that you should be born wherever you were born. He decided the family you should be born. That's why your family can't stop you. I said your family can't stop you. Any demon in your family can stop everybody because they didn't know. But when you know what you know, that you know, that you know, your family can't stop you. They can say nobody ever made it. You can say that's why I'm here. Finally, I'm here. I'm going to make it. And when I make it, people will start making it. Ah, they will make it. We change your family name. We change your family name. Yeah. That is it. When I was made in secret, skillfully wrought, he said, I was not hidden from you. Verse 16. He said, your eyes saw my substance when it was yet unformed. When I was not yet formed, your eyes saw me. Your eyes saw me. Hallelujah. Brother, I come to tell you today, you are not a nobody. <laughs> There's something in you, you can run around. You run, uh, you just get tired one day, say, you know what, I'm tired. I'm going back to my church. After all, they didn't sack me. <laughs> I left by myself. <laughs> and then when you come, we just praise God for your life. You continue from where you left. And life continues. Clap for Jesus, everybody. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.